Hi, friends. Welcome to Break the Ice Podcast, where the illusions covering our evolution are shattered, bringing together amazing guests and episode dialogue that dive deep into what it means to live a life of self-agency and harnessing the power of a decisive heart. Our topics range from stories around leadership, sales, business, entrepreneurship, heart, soul, and health. So get ready to be educated, encouraged, and inspired. Thank you all. I love you all. And here he is as promised, TJ Brereton from New York, upstate New York, coming coming to us here. This is fantastic. Um, I'm super, super excited to have him here. Uh, he is a father. He is a published author. He's an entrepreneur. Um, I mean, this guy is just crushing it. He's got 18 books out there published, uh, just ready to rip. And um, actually, it's crime fiction is, is the genre that we're talking about here. And one of the main reasons why I wanted Tim on Break the Ice podcast is because he is an excellent example and his story is an excellent example of somebody who has had to break the ice, not just with themselves, but with many people out there in our external reality to go through, you know, the process of chasing that or, or creating that, that cheese wheel for yourself and saying, you know what, um, I'm not going to let somebody else dictate my life. I am going to manufacture that piece of cheese and that cheese is going to sustain and fulfill me. And, and that's going to be my bread and butter. And I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it hundred percent on my own. Now that entails incredible self-agency. It entails somebody who understands fear, embraces fear and says, F fear. I'm going after what I want. And this is what I'm going to do. So that makes a fantastic guest for Break the Ice. So I do want to roll into getting a few questions here. Uh, so Tim, talk a little bit about how you got started in the writing industry to begin with. And as we talked about, you went from being self-published, so to speak, to full-blown published author, getting picked up and making some sales and just crushing it now. So just give us a little background story. Sure, happy to. First of all, thanks for having me here. It's an honor. I feel like this is kind of the flagship episode for you. Is this one of your first? Or? Yes, this is a flagship recording. So um, I'm super stoked. I guess I'm probably overly excited. But you know what? You got to start somewhere. You got to break the ice and you got to create right. that big old piece of cheese for yourself. Yeah, I think the, and we texted about this just recently, the the phrase that I like is, you know, leap then look, right? Um, analysis paralysis is something we're all familiar with. You can overthink and over prepare. Um, it, you know, it's arguable whether or not stubbornness is a virtue, but it's it's definitely a, a component of I think just driving for something without, you know, over preparing or overthinking. I took everything step by step. I just kind of did whatever I was compelled to do 
at that time. So when I was young, I was compelled to sort of emulate the writers that I enjoyed. And so I wrote like Stephen King. I used our mother's uh, word processor and the home office and wrote, you know, um, short stories and novellas. So that's what I was compelled to do then. I, I wanted to feel like I could write like them. And so, uh, you know, you start by mimicry. And then Sometime later, it was I wanted to feel a book in my hand. I wanted to know what it was like to have a published book. So self-publishing was more of an attempt to kind of uh, crystallize, you know, after I've done all this work and I've written a novel, I think my first novel was Chimera, super experimental, quasi-autobiographical, supernatural nonsense, but, (laughs) you know. It was great to self-publish it. I think I used Lulu and then actually, you know, have it show up and, and hold it in my hand. But you so so each new moment is kind of each new sort of rung on the ladder. It's an excitation, but then it's followed shortly by a realization like, OK, I've self-published this. I have it in my hands. I did it. And then the kind of come down, like, but nobody else is reading it. (laughs) You know, it's just sitting in my living room. So the next step was I I need legitimacy. And, you know, my my sort of stubborn self-agency had always just been just do it, just do it, just do it. But I got to a point where I recognized I can no longer just do this alone. I need someone else to be willing to spend their time and money. And in doing so, that legitimizes me. That says, you know what, it's not just in your head anymore. So that contact with other people, with the outside world, with what you're saying, external reality, um, that sort of meeting of my internal reality with the external reality happened there. And for the first time, you know, for me, I, I kind of employed a technique that I wouldn't have ordinarily employed, which was I signed up for some mailing list. Uh, this guy that had been had a successful book that he'd published, uh, then sort of parlayed that into advice, self-help type stuff. And he had a list and he would send it out every day. And the list featured publishers who were actively seeking manuscripts from unagented authors. I didn't have an agent. So um, I did that. I got some emails coming in and then I would query or submit to those publishers and then it didn't take very long. And the first publisher to pick me up was called Joffy Books. Yes. Joffy Books. Um, that that is that is awesome, man. So that shows, you know, like you were saying, this this personal stubbornness that we have is part of that um drive because if you don't do that, you know, how are you gonna make those accomplishments? You have to have that part to it. Um, and, and like you said, you know, this isn't stubborn in a negative connotation. This is stubborn and, and no, I'm not going to give up. Like, these are the things I want. This is what I'm going to go after. Um, and that's huge. That takes, that takes strength. It takes courage. Um, and I love that you use the word crystallize. That was awesome. That's so perfectly fitting for brace the ice. Right. Um, but I think like that's a, that's a huge piece right there. When we can see this tangible asset now that we have this product that, or, you know, whether it's a service or a product that came through our own creativity and our own um, abilities is just amazing. And then to take that to the next level. And and it's true when we're going to take something to the next level, that's very oftentimes now when it's time to reach out 
And now it's time to get a team assembled or other people on board and say, you know what, you, know, you might need to take a risk on me. I'm not sure, but here's everything I have. And let's see if we can collaborate and come together and be partners and keep move this ball rolling and keep that, that crystallization part, you know, getting ever, ever larger, really. Absolutely. So that, that, that is awesome. And in the fact that you have to, you know, go through this process of submitting and, and I know you and I have had a lot of conversations about this where especially, you know, younger writers and people who are trying to break into the industry and they don't really have all that credibility yet are going to get rejected. Right. Um, and they're going to have that, that part that easily could deter somebody from the process and say, okay, well, I, I give up. I've been shot down you know, 50 times and I've submitted 50 times. So maybe this isn't for me. I'm not good enough, you know, et cetera, and so forth. And so the fact that you have that persistence to keep going, because that really is truly what you want in your heart. So people, um, they oftentimes don't realize that most of what they truly desire is just deep in their heart. And if once they once they look inside and they say, you know what, I'm deciding this based on my true, you know, heart. So I call that a heart decisive action. And um, I think that when you know you're deciding something with your heart, that's how you can overcome those rejections, right? Uh, because you're like, no, that's that's not going to deter me. So what what an incredible feat it is to get published. I mean, holy cow. Um, now let's dig a little deeper here. And I want to, I want you to just share maybe a little bit about how, cause you've had a, a journey, man, you've had a lot of stuff go on in your life, um, including being a single father, uh, for many years. So tell us how the concept of your own, you know, journey of self-awareness and being honest with yourself so that you could really start from a point where you have that decided heart or you've made up your mind, which, you know, kind of then leads into that whole concept of, of self-agency. What are some of the things maybe that you did to have that extra self-awareness and have that honesty with yourself? Because these are not easy decisions. You're risking tons of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, we've all met people and who would, uh, we could ascribe to the uh, uh, saying that they wear their heart on their sleeve. You know, um, I think I've I've always been, you know, pretty, uh, I guess, in touch with uh, with the reality of my emotional state. You know, I'm I'm not really good at self deception, which is ironic because I'm also a recovering addict, and and being an addict is is a whole world of deception, right? Self deception, so. That's kind of a paradox. Um, I think that would take a little more time to tease out. But I think I can answer you by saying, um, I think we can make friends with our circumstances, right? I don't think we, for me, I don't see necessarily my, my journey as a matter of uh, fighting against the circumstances, but rather, so there was a lot of things that I liked to do when I was young. I still do. Um, I have a lot, I've varied interests, creative interests. I started out wanting to be working film as a director. I even got into, in my head, I was going to be an actor for a while. I've written screenplays. I've been a painter. Point is, um, 
I think becoming a writer, I've always written, but making it my main focus and then starting to systematically go after it um, wasn't just an arbitrary decision or even like me getting super in touch with my inner desires and saying, I mean, there were definitely moments where I thought I'm probably a writer first and foremost. And a lot of writers have the stories of being factotums where they worked as a bartender and they worked construction and they have their pilot's license and they did this and they did that. And they're all just getting experience and writers are usually whacked in the head so they don't quite know where they where they fit. So there's that, too. But I think I also accepted the circumstance. I was a single father and 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 I and still using primarily alcohol at that time and which which also kind of constrained uh the proportions of my life because I wasn't really good in public uh being hung over and and so forth so I kind of stuck to the house what do you do when you have such a creative compulsion to make up stories and and entertain and and do all that stuff I, I couldn't go out and act on stage I didn't have a movie crew sitting by but I had a computer I could write. And so I did. And I just kept doing it. Um, I just want to add one other thing, because we were talking about uh, leap, then look, and and that sort of stubbornness in that drive. There's another uh, saying, it's an Estonian proverb, the work will teach you how to do it. Mm. And that's some, that flies in the face of academia a little bit, because some people are pretty certain that you need to go to school, you need to graduate master of fine arts from Columbia, uh, university with your degree in creative writing. Um, I obviously didn't do that. I graduated from the school of Stephen King and having a very loquacious mother. Um, so do the, the work will teach you how to do it ties into something from, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, which is, uh, his, he's a social psychologist. I don't know if you're familiar with Gladwell, but he has written books like the tipping point, and David and Goliath, but uh, he, in one of his books, uh, I think it's Outliers, he talks about, or maybe it's Tipping Point, but the road to success usually entails 10,000 hours, 10,000 hours of work on whatever it is that you're doing. So if you want to be a, a bodybuilder, if you want to be a, 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 a actor, you know, you got to put in that 10,000 hours. So I was putting in that 10,000 hours by sort of being constrained by my proportions and not really having any social life. I think what happens to a lot of people is they want certain things. They, they conceptually, fancifully want certain things, but then they're out having a good time. They're caught up in life. They're, all of their time is going to all these different things. It's all about time. It's just where you put the time. Yes. That is that is beautiful. That's powerful. Um, and as a matter of fact, right now I'm studying um, these five freedoms, and one of them is freedom of time. And all it really means is that you are absolutely 100% in control of the way you spend your time, basically, in, in a really nutshell. I mean, obviously, there's extenuating circumstances that get in our way, but we have every capability at limiting those extenuating circumstances and our, our you know, building this this house for ourselves and time is one of those components and that you really nailed it right right there because and, and I love that and I've heard it different ways too but the 10,000 hours I've heard that 
Um, and, you know, I just recently spent kind of basically doing the same thing over a period of 12 years, you know, to become a specific professional expert in my field never would have happened if I didn't put that work and that time in there. Uh, so that's such a major truth is anybody listening to this, our audience, you know, when they're looking for that edge up and you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you weren't interested in this type of thing. And that's, that's a huge component to it. The magic bullet sometimes really is the work. <laughs> like that's just it. doing the work, um, right? Yeah. It's, it, and again, though, that's a decision that's using a decided heart because you're sacrificing certain amount of pleasurable experiences to put that work in because you know, the greater game, you know, the greater outcome is really what you want. And you have that vision always going on in your mind. Um, especially with creative people, right? You know, you, your imagination is on fire probably most of the time. And I mean, that's a whole nother subject that, that we could have some fun with. Um, but I love that you said self-deception. That was a really interesting word. And I also like how you said making friends with your circumstances. I mean, what a realistic thing to say. <laughs> you know, like that, that just brings a, a very realism component to it where it's like, yeah, you know what? Make friends with your circumstances, kind of sort it out from that point instead of just saying, I've got to pull this in or pull that in or change this or run away from this or, or whatnot. Because, you know, you said this to me before and this has stuck with me. So this is sort of like a TJ Burton quote, so to speak. And you said a long time ago to me, you said, Jen, it's not how life is treating you. It's how you're treating life. And that just has always resonated with me. And it's such an important statement because here you are talking about making friends with your circumstances. And, and it's true. It's like we're in the circumstance of life. So what are we going to do with that? How are we going to treat that? And how are we going to um, build it in there so that it works? So that that is awesome and some really good, good gold there. I, I think if um, I could just can I interject yeah. one thing? Yeah, I, just, I, I think we'd be remiss to not acknowledge that um, certain projects, whether they're creative or entrepreneurial, um, are, are going to be at least at first blush easier for some individuals than others based on the disposition or temperament of that individual. In other words, the most extrover extroverted, gregarious, outgoing person in the world who craves human contact and being outside is not going to make a great writer. It's, it, it might happen. There, there are probably magnanimous, charming, talkative readers that go out into the world and love that aspect of it too. But I think for the most part, your, your writers tend to be introverts who don't mind time alone, in fact, prefer copious amounts of time alone. So it fits. And again, I think I'm just sort of, that's just another example of how to make friends with your circumstances, or at least acknowledge you know, I don't think there's anything wrong at all with concepts of self-agency or self-authorization, but I think we, we can't deny the deterministic or at least probabilistic aspects of, you know, we're born a certain way with certain circumstances, with certain dispositions that good chances are you're probably going to wind up in a certain career or a certain life 
as our mother would say, you know, you look at them when they're kids and it's like when they are grown up, they just got larger, but they're pretty much the same. So the, yeah. the interests that you show based on your personality, based on your genetics, like people do all kinds of crazy things and go off, move, take left turns and go off into different careers that you never would have expected. That absolutely happens. But I think if, if the more we're in touch with our, our, what we're really like, the less we're going to struggle. I think that's Wu Wei. That, that's like an Eastern philosophy. That's Wu Wei that just kind of says, go with the flow. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I mean, and that's, that's really the starting point is that's why I talk about being honest with yourself in the sense that know who you really are, know some of those preconceived dispositions, know your shadows, you know, get in touch with them, you know, make sure that you, that you understand that stuff, because those are things that will influence in, in your decisions and be in a lot of things that you do based on your intuition. You know, we talk about intuition, our instincts, so much of that is, is a lot of unconscious, but the more we dig in there and we can learn about those things. I was just having a conversation the other day on a live show where they were talking about how, you know, from the ages of like two to eight is where people form sort of their beliefs about the world. And then from eight on, you are constantly searching for evidence to support and validate and support those beliefs that you form and so it gets me to thinking because I think about my youth a lot and I think about you know who I really was was that chick on the soccer field you know and I can see that all through my life just very early childhood development things that really shape a lot of my decisions now so that is a huge piece to it for sure yeah now not only that but now we have a, a massive infotainment complex that is geared toward validating our personal mythologies. We consume our own beliefs as they're regurgitated back to us in the media. And, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other show. Yeah, that is a whole nother show. Um, Maybe when I've got about 300 episodes out and a massive audience, I will have you back on and we will just shatter the ice. Yes, perfect. <laughs> but um, but yeah, definitely, definitely another time. Um, but no, I mean that's that's definitely true. Um, you know, we and that's those are those identifiers, those group identifiers that we've talked about. Again, more of that validation. Yes, indeed. Um, so just to give a little bit of background to the listeners here, um, there's something I call switch moments in life. And basically what that, yeah, so basically what that just means is like, okay, let's say we have a story, a struggle, like you were a single father, you know, um, like you said, an addict, you had a lot of, you know, not to sound mean, but let's just say some low points in your story, right? Some lower rock bottom type situations. And then, you know, our story starts to evolve and we make decisions, we do things we need to do and we iterate ourselves kind of up into a another part of the story which is going upward um towards success and in in those moments going from you know the struggle to the success i i see that there's these sort of switch moments sometimes for people um could be an isolated incident or it could just be sort of a progression of things that have happened 
But in those switch moments, there's a certain type of clarity that we receive, like, oh my gosh, like, here we go. Like, this makes so much sense. Like, I feel that this is a, a point of clarification for me. And when people look at the clarity and they say, okay, this is inspiring something in me to make a decision or to take an action, I call that inspired action. So you go from, you know, this switch moment, which is like a point of clarity to then an inspired action. So I just am curious if you have anything that stands out in your mind, in your story, um, because you're, you know, the, the successful guy that you are, is, are there any switch moments that you'd like to share with the audience that might help them on their journey or, or even just add to the concept? I'm curious, coming from your, your background. The switch moment I have, it's like I, 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 I was looking at the process of, let's say, creative uh, legitimization or creative validation, basically getting something out into the world whether it was a, a, a feature film or a novel. And that was my focus. And after a while, I realized it was kind of like I had the, the pyramid flipped upside down. I was like coming at it from the big broad side and trying to bite off too much at once. And I, it, this may be common sense for most people, but I am dense. It took me time for it to get through my thick skull that maybe I needed to start small. So what did that mean in practical terms? That meant write an article for the local paper. That meant publish a short story. I'm out there banging on agents' doors and publishers' doors with my giant 130,000-word novel about whatever. <laughs> Maybe if I write a coherent short story that gets published in a literary journal, that'll give me some cred so that as I'm querying, um, it also taught me about the query process too, that process whereby you submit to a publication, you query first by just saying, hey, what do you think of this idea? And if they say, yeah, that's a good idea, let's see the manuscript. That's what a query is because you you don't just, you don't just give publishers the whole manuscript usually. Um, so that was a switch moment for me. And it worked because I did exactly that. I started writing film reviews and entertainment news for a local paper. And I published a few short stories in literary journals. And then I built into my submissions to publishers for the novels I was working on these credentials that I now had. I don't know if it made a huge difference. I don't know if a publisher was like, his novel is crazy, 130,000 words, and I can't understand it. But he wrote a good film review for this tiny little paper in upstate New York. So let's get him in. I don't think it worked that way. But I, at least mentally, it allowed me the manageable goals. And, you know, and I'm coming from the void. I never read a self-help book in my life. So this is probably widespread knowledge for a lot of people. I may think it's groundbreaking for me it was but the idea of manageable goals that work toward a larger goal I had to discover for myself no um as, as much as you think that's common sense and, and I mean in, in, in an overview sure but it is is amazing because you know when you just get down to the human level of things so many people and I'm not 
you know, especially entrepreneurs, I think, and business owners is you have these huge $100,000 visions of manageable pieces is really good advice for anybody listening. And so many people say, yeah, 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 I know that. And of course, that's the way it works. But so many of us start to make decisions in reverse of that theory, in reverse of that common sense and that common knowledge. And I mean, there's a couple schools of thought, you know, and, and one is that it is great to have the vision and then, and then you reverse engineer that. And I mean, that's sort of what, what you did. You're like, well, in the real world, I've just got to get my name out there and I've got to get some writing actually done. And in the real world, people reading it, people subscribing to it. And this goes for all sorts of different, you know, professions, artists, um, especially for artists and writers, because, you know, that's that's such a personal thing many times. So you're trying to get yourself out there in a very personal way with that creation. So even though that seems like common sense, I'll tell you that there's just a vast majority of people who lose sight of that common sense. And kind of like we said earlier, they may actually give up instead of just realizing things are a lot simpler. You know, it's real simple. You just start small and and iterate and and put the work in. So sure. that'll never be an old piece of advice, that is for sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Something we need to keep reminding um, ourselves, yeah. But I I like that um, switch moment. I love it. I think that that was huge. I mean, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Those are those aha things, those things to say, well, wait a minute. Um, this is clearly what I need to do and and make it happen and take that inspired action. So that was awesome. So I want to talk a little bit about the new book, the brand new book that you've got coming out this month, which is called Road to Mercy. And this is a Shannon Ames book, which is one of your characters. Um, And I think that I'll obviously let you speak a little bit on the book. Um, As some of the listeners don't know yet about me is that I absolutely love certain genres and um you know, crime fiction is actually one of them. Um, I found it really, really enjoyable from a standpoint of, you know, basically entertainment and relaxation. And I've read several of Tim's books, many of them, and they, they're something that is, you know, they're a page turner, number one. I remember reading one where it literally took me two days to read the entire novel. I think it was gone or gone missing. It might have been gone. <laughs> um, but it, it was such a page turner that literally any second that I wasn't tending to the kids or working, I was reading and my nose was in that book. Um, and I think for me as a consumer of Tim's work is that not only is it a page turner type of stuff where you're just like, oh my gosh, like, but he's done some really, really interesting pieces where he's got a trilogy. You know, he's got these characters that that we've really come to love and know and relate to that pop up in his story. So just kind of like a good TV series would do for you um, as a reader. It takes you through those journeys and it's just super, super fun. Um, and I mean, I even cried at the end of one of his books, um, not because it was like, you know, in and of itself a tearjerker. It was because I was with this character for three novels. So it really just hit my heart. It hit home and it was just an interesting experience. Um, but also my favorite thing about about Tim's writing is that it's well-rounded, it's intelligent. Um, and, and he adds in, you know, humor right alongside the hero struggle. 
So tell us about this new book. I'm super excited. This is just being released like this month, right? Sunday. Yeah, this Sunday. Well, well, I don't know when this comes out, but so Sunday, September 6th. It, uh, yeah. Yeah, Road to Mercy. It's the second book in the Shannon Ames series. Shannon Ames is a FBI special agent working out of the uh, Brooklyn Queens satellite office for the New York City Field Division. Something like that. Um, but she's a really a small town girl at heart. She's from upstate New York, and she actually has a little bit of a background in psychology, she was, what she went to school for. And she even worked as a clinical, uh, as a clinician for a little while, a clinical psychologist, social worker. And then, uh, but then decided she wanted law enforcement. So she went to, she joined the FBI and, and did her training in Stafford at Quantico and, and then uh, got, Usually they, you go where they put you, wherever there's a gap. So she got uh, um, stationed. Uh, she wanted to work violent crimes in New York City. And so that's where she's at. Uh, Road to Mercy, like I said, the second book. Uh, the first book was Into Darkness. And that's about a uh, serial killer targeting reporters, um, killing journalists and TV personalities. Uh, she has to figure out why and catch the guy or girl. and then. Um, Road to Mercy pretty much is a month later after that case. She's got a little bit of this kind of celebrity status um, and something pops up on the FBI radar because this woman who was abducted was a former special prosecutor. And because she was a federal prosecutor, they have policy that they look into those cases. So she's gone missing with her uh, college age son. And then her husband is taken off cross country full bore with two of their other little kids in the back of the car. And he's not answering his phone. His phone is dead. He looks like he's fleeing. So she's got to find him, chase him down, catch him, see what's going on and uh, and figure out what happened to the missing uh, federal prosecutor and her college age son. So that's Road to Mercy. Yeah. Oh, this is exciting. I can't wait to get the book. I can't wait to read it. Um, I mean, violent crimes in New York City. There, this is just crime fiction right right at its best. So this is super interesting. Um, I cannot wait to get the book. Uh, now, so let's just lead into kind of wrapping things up a little bit here. Um, what I, I know what I wanted to ask. What sort of just this sort of there's two more questions that really I'm going to ask. Um, and one is, do you have a little bit of a, a piece of advice or a little gold nugget for for any people in our audience that are new and up and coming writers or artists for that matter, who um, maybe just just a piece of encouragement, anything kind of off the top of your head or that you thought about that you would that you generally would give someone advice? Yeah, I think the piece of encouraging advice that's absolutely 100% gold-plated true is that you can come to writing in any way, shape, or form. You just come as you are. Um, and that means everything. That means it doesn't matter if you got your MFA from Columbia University or if you had a job as a lawyer or if you worked as a substitute teacher first. It doesn't matter. You bring your experience to it. You put in the work. That's what it takes. Um, it also doesn't matter what your process is. So I began as there's, there are, there's terms for these. There's like diagrams, there's charts. You can even look up and figure out exactly what type of writer you are, but I'll spare you all of that and just keep it simple. Uh, some writers are called pantsers, meaning they fly by the seat of their pants. Hmm. I've, for the bulk of my writing and I've got 18 books, but I've also written a, maybe 
seven or eight prior to the first one that got published. So I've got about 25 books that I've written. For the bulk of that time, I've been a pantser. What does a pantser mean? You get an idea in your head that might be even a sentence that starts the book. You know, the cigarette was ember was showed up in the dark alley and then the, you know, whatever it is. And then you take off with that and you just go and, and follow the muse. I think somebody analogized it to driving a car at night. You can only see where the, as far as the headlights will show you. Mm. That's one kind of writing. And that's I've done that for the bulk of my writing. Other people are much more mindful and planful and outline to an incredibly acute extent. And I've never done that. There's a famous thing Stephen King says about John Irving. John Irving is a planner. Stephen King is a pantser. John Irving says, you don't write word one until you know your ending. Stephen King says, that's ridiculous. That's like eating your dessert before you had the meal. Like you want to be surprised by your own. It depends on your motivation. I'm writing to entertain myself. That's a huge part of it. That's the impetus. That's what sustains me is that I'm entertaining myself. John Irving, that may not be his process. He's not there to like make friends with himself. He's got a job to do. He wrote his outline. Now he's got to sit down every day and very workmanlike put in the time. Um, but you can change over time. I've become less of a pantser and more of a planner as time has gone on. My point is just to anybody that's looking to get into it, it doesn't matter where you're at along that spectrum. It doesn't matter how planful you are or how much of a seat of the pants leap then look you are. And it doesn't matter what your background is. You just got to put in the time. If you can put in the time, and I, I have to say this because not everybody has the time. Certainly there are successes, people that started working on their projects on the weekends and five o'clock in the morning, they get up before the family or late at night. Um, that's very difficult to do. And I commend people that, that can do that. I've been fortunate. I've been lucky. I, I live in a fairly inexpensive part of the country. I don't have extravagant champagne tastes. You know what I'm saying? I have beer tastes and beer income as the saying goes, right? So I'm not living beyond my means. I can afford to have those months or years where the writing doesn't sell gangbusters and I can weather those storms. So, you know, don't overextend yourself. If you're going to put in the time to become a writer, be prepared to like live in a tent for a year, you know, whatever it takes. Wow, that is um, that is some awesome advice. I am definitely taking some out of that for myself, uh, very selfishly. Um, but it's my podcast, and one of my goals is to entertain myself and to learn from my guests. So this is amazing. That is really, really good advice. I love that. I love how you said, you know, just start where you're at. Um, because in, in business, you know, in sales, when we're dealing with clients and customers and things like that, that's my saying is meet them where they're at. Right. Yeah, sure. So it's, it's just, it's, it's such a truth of sort of harnessing the power of now, if you will, you know, in that presence to say right now, this is what it is. So this is what I'm going to do. Uh, so many people are waiting for that magic moment in that right time. And right. sometimes, like you said, in the very beginning, just to wrap this up a little bit, um, leap then look, you know, some of this stuff is just, you know, analyze, what is it? Analysis paralysis, you said. Right. Don't and, wait and for inspiration. It, Don't wait yeah. for inspiration. Just, okay. just right. do it now. But, 
but when to we it. are but when we are inspired yes that may yeah. be our our sign sure. yeah. <laughs> to take some action sure. so that's that's fantastic um all right then let's just get right on to how can people find you what's the best way for people to connect with you to find your books anything like that tjbreerin.net okay and i will i had that. a dot com and i screwed it up <laughs> I did. I had a dot com and I can't remember what happened, but somehow I ended up I ended up losing it. I didn't renew it. I didn't renew my domain name or something, so I lost the dot com and I have if if I wanted I gotta buy it for like a thousand dollars or something. Yeah, nah, no, no. So I'm a dot net now. TJ dot net. That's where all my stuff is. Okay. And um people can find your books on Amazon. I know that's where I've bought pretty much all of mine. I mean, you've given me some copies, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. But, you know, so good old Amazon, we can look TJ Brereton and you will pop up because I know too, also, what's been pretty exciting is I've really seen you off the charts, um, not only in the United States, but in some other countries as well. You've done really, really well with your popularity. So that's awesome. You're really, you know, you're globally Globally recognized, globally global reach, and um, so I think that's one of the benefits too of, you know, being able to leverage the art, the world of art, where we can put it out there um, through something like Amazon. Um, so yeah, uh, okay. So oh, that leads us to our final question, um, and that is, what is your conviction and focus here on planet Earth, or your foundation? Whoa. Whoa, what is my focus and conviction here on <laughs> planet Earth? Good grief. Um, it's probably become to enjoy every day. It really has. Um, there's always going to be more success that I could have just beyond the horizon. I mean, we're sitting here, we're talking about this stuff, and it feels really good. And I definitely know I've accomplished some things in my life, but every day I look at other writers who are with even bigger publishers who are selling more copies of their books. And I get that little bit of envy and jealousy that creeps up, but um, there will always be another peak, right? There'll always be, and that's fine. And I'll go about it. But I think going about it, not at the expense of enjoying every day and not at the expense of missing my kids' childhoods, and not at the expense of being grateful for my health and being grateful for the day that I've been given. Nothing really matters if you're if you're it it, it, it doesn't matter if you're not enjoying the, the journey, right? Everybody's just I'm, I'm sort of wrapping up with a cliche, but like no, it's true. No. It's true. It's yeah. like the, mm -hmm. the journey is, but it's easier said than done. We can say like enjoy the journey. It's the journey that matters, but it really takes constant reminding. Because I think for whatever reason, we default to this, I'll be happier when, mm -hmm. you know, man is only truly happy when dreaming of future happiness, right? So to try and break that ice, break that illusion that you won't be fulfilled until you reach some material arbitrary point is to remind yourself every day, this is what matters, these kids now, this marriage now, this this friendship now, this home, this whatever. Um, so that's my focus. 
everything else is, is, you know, a lot of stuff rolling around in my head from childhood and, and, and things that I like to do creatively. And that's all great, but, but that's my focus to enjoy. The I journey. love it. I love that. Absolutely. That is some conviction and focus right there because you're taking the presence of life and you're, you're recognizing it for what it is in the moment. And that's powerful. That's, that's how you have happiness from within and you're not disillusioned that it's out there somewhere, like you said. So that, that really anchors it. I love it. All right. Thank you so, so much. And um, hope to have you on in the future. Thank you, Jen. This was awesome. This is really yeah. great. I like it. Yeah. I, I think all your future guests are going to have as good a time as I did. Yay. Nice Thank job. you so much. All right. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it, friends. That was some ice-breaking tools right there for you. Now, my ask is that you go create some space for yourself. Think about what resonated with you during that episode. And go see how you can apply it in your own life. Or please, at least go share it with the world. Thank you, as always. Feel free to stop on by www.breaktheiceco.com and subscribe to get updates and all kinds of freebie giveaways. Thank you all. Love you all. Bye.